Well, good morning, and welcome back to the uh, Palview Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast Series, uh, where we are basically letting you know what we are preaching on on Sunday morning, and we uh, pre-record these things so that we can not have to worry about getting them up uh, terribly quickly on a Sunday morning. Um, If you have been uh, following, we've been going through the uh, book of Daniel, at least several stories in the book of Daniel, and we've been talking about what it means to be a courageous church. It's something that our leadership has uh, recently discovered and know that it's important, and so we're, we're trying to learn how ourselves to get uh, Powell View Christian Church to be a courageous church, especially in a, in a uh, culture that is increasingly antagonistic towards the gospel. And so uh, if you uh, find yourself going to another church, that's awesome. I would pray that uh, what you hear today and in the next several weeks Though we are talking about our own particular mission here, I, I would imagine that uh, from church to church, the mission has got to be fairly similar as you're looking at what the Bible has asked us to do and to be as God's church. And so even though we're talking about our mission and uh, taking it uh, week by week, looking at different uh, aspects of our mission statement, I'm, I'm hoping that this actually will resound with you, resonate with you as well no matter uh, what church you are attending. And uh, again, we are located here in Central Oregon uh, in the uh, small community of Powell Butte between Redmond and Prineville. If you're ever up in our area, we would love for you to swing by, tell us that you've been listening, and and we'd love to get to know you and uh, welcome you to our fellowship on a weekend service. I heard a story a long time ago about a, a truck driver who was delivering 50 penguins to a zoo. He had to get these uh, penguins to the zoo at a particular time, and he, he was under a, a, you know, under the deadline, under the gun, and uh, his truck broke down right as he was getting to the outskirts of the city. He kind of panicked, didn't know what to do. He needed to get these 50 penguins to the zoo, and so he flagged down another truck, and he says, uh, sir, I, I need your help. My truck just broke down. I need to go get it fixed, but I've got these penguins, and... I need, I need you, if you would, to take these penguins. I got 50 of them. I need you to take these penguins to the zoo. The, the second truck driver was a little hesitant, and the, the man pulled out five $100 bills and says, listen, I will give you $500 if you'll take these penguins to the zoo. Well, that $500 caught the second trucker's eye, and he said, I'll, I'll do it for you, not a problem. So the transfer was made. Penguins got into the second truck driver's truck, and uh, the the first truck driver waited for uh, AAA to come and pick him up so that he could get his truck to uh, the the mechanics. Well, uh, he was there at the mechanics for uh, several hours, but uh, it it didn't take more than a day to to fix the truck, and so he started back on his route to go back home, and as he was uh, driving through the city, Lo and behold, he saw up ahead the, the second truck driver and the 50 penguins. That They were just walking along the street. It was, it was a weird sight because it was the truck driver out in front and then these 50 penguins lined up in, in a row, single file, following him. The first truck driver knows now that he's in trouble because the delivery had not been made. So he pulls over and he flags down this man. He says, sir... 
what's going on here? I thought I gave you $500 to take these penguins to the zoo. And the second truck driver said, well, yeah, uh, I did. But uh, I had some money left over, so I decided to then take them to the movies. You see, sometimes when you get a little fuzzy on the purpose, you, you miss it entirely. When you don't really truly understand the purpose of what you're supposed to be doing, you can find yourself doing some pretty crazy things like taking penguins to the zoo and then to the movies and then out to eat. When you don't understand your purpose, you can be lost. We get our purpose here at Powell Butte Christian Church from two main points of Scripture. First of all, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. This is known as the great commandment, and we know that from Mark chapter 12, when we read, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That came from Deuteronomy 6. And then Jesus continued and says, The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that came from Leviticus 19. And Jesus said, There is no other commandment greater than these. So our first purpose, or the first point of Scripture that we get our purpose from, comes from the great commandment to love God with all of our heart and with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And then secondly, we get our purpose from a second scripture, from Matthew chapter 28, and this is the Great Commission, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So you have the great commandment, and you've got the great commission. At Palview Christian Church, we have boiled these down to a statement then that embraces four aspects that we believe uh, of what it means to live out the great commandment and the great commission. And so we say, this is our purpose statement, our mission statement, we say that we exist as a church to know, love, and serve God by helping people to connect to Jesus Christ and God's family, encouraging them to grow to become more like Christ, equipping them to serve in ministry, and facilitating the body of Christ to go both locally and globally in the expansion of God's kingdom. So that's our purpose. That's our mission statement. If we find ourselves doing anything else, like taking penguins to the zoo and then to the movies, folks, we are off target. And an off-target church may be comfortable. It may be affirming. It may be fun. It may be entertaining. But it's not going to be blessed by God because that church has missed the point entirely. To be a courageous church that engages with each one of our main points, connect, grow, serve, and go, means that we're going to do those four things courageously. And that's essentially what we're going to be looking at for the next four or five weeks. So this morning, you have to ask, what does it mean to connect then in a courageous way? When we, now, when we speak of connecting there in our mission statement, we say that our mission is to connect people to Jesus Christ and God's family. 
two, two things, to connect to people, uh, Jesus Christ and to God's family. So first of all, I want to talk about connect, what it means to connect to Jesus, okay? Because nothing that we do then as a church will ever make sense if you cannot come to grips with that one, to, to connect with Jesus, what that means and, and who Jesus is. Now, we are part of a, uh, a church tradition here at Powell Butte Christian Church called the Restoration Movement, uh, where back in the uh, 17 and 1800s, uh, the church saw all of these different denominations springing up in the new world in America, so many different creeds, which are statements of belief, uh, and, and other reading material in addition to the Bible to help then interpret the Bible. And, and so there were, there were so many of these out there that there was a group of Christians, a, a group of believers and leaders who wanted to just say, listen, let's simplify things, okay? Let's just make it simple. Let's do away with all those things that are actually splintering the, the body of Christ, and in their minds, if the body of Christ was being splintered, it was being weakened. And they said, let's just focus in on what we have in common. Let's be Christians. Well, we don't need to be Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist or Wesleyan or anything like that. Let's just be Christians. And so they came up with this motto that uh, they would say, listen, in essentials, the things that are most important to our faith, we need to have unity. In non-essentials, like how often do you take communion, for example, or do you take communion out of one cup or several cups, for example? Um, how do you baptize people? Do you, do you pour? Do you dunk? Do you, do you sprinkle? In non-essentials, they said uh, we should have liberty. So in essentials, we should have unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, we should have charity or love, but uh, they use the word charity just so it would sound nice to say unity, liberty, and charity. See, really, when it boiled down to it, they were trying, they were hoping to say that though there might be a variety of expressions and a variety of methods of worship, there are certain things that cannot be disagreed on if you're going to call yourself a Christian. One of those main things being faith in the gospel of Jesus, His life, His death, his resurrection from the dead. And so the gospel, which means good news, is actually comprised of two parts. There's the bad news, and then there's the good news. And the bad news is that we are all sinners. God had made us in his image back in the Garden of Eden. He had given us his image, and we had a purpose of having this intimate relationship with God, and we blew it. The tempter came in, uh, we believed a twisted version of God's Word, and because we didn't trust God fully, we did not fully obey. And thus, sin wreaked havoc on our spiritual lives, and we were lost, destined for a godless eternity. Now, you have to acknowledge the bad news before the good news becomes really, really good. It's kind of like if you only knew chocolate, but you did not ever taste cauliflower, you would not know how good chocolate really was, unless you can compare it. So the good news is good, but it becomes even better news when you understand that there was that bad news, that we were lost, sinners, destined for a godless eternity. The bad news is that we were powerless to save ourselves from the mess that we were in because of sin. Even our best righteous efforts fall short. But the good news of the Bible is this, that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came to earth to live a sinless life, to show us the true heart of God, and then to walk into death willingly. A criminal's death, by the way, 
to take the punishment that we had deserved so that by Him becoming our sin, the way would be open for us to have a renewed relationship with God based on our righteousness that comes from Jesus. Uh, But we become that righteousness when we put on faith and when we trust in Jesus' work on the cross. He became sin. The one who knew no sin became sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the good news. Folks, people move through this life with so much junk, so much crud. The Bible describes it wonderfully as a miry pit. You see, sin promised us glamour and and pleasure and self-sufficiency. It it promised us a glorious existence. But folks, sin lies. Yes, it's fun for a while, but in the end, we wind up slaves to what once was pleasurable. Our lives going nowhere purposefully, and and the lives of those around us are now in shambles because of our self-centeredness. On a very spiritual level, we are cut off from our Creator And we are cut off from the purpose for which we were created. To courageously then connect with Jesus means that you are ready and willing to get off of the throne of your own life, to stop with these pathetic attempts to make yourself good, and to die to your own will so that the eternal will of God takes over. If we are accepting Jesus, if we connect with Jesus, we can then reconnect with God the Father. And that is a total commitment when the eternal will of God takes over. You've probably heard the story about the chicken and the pig who are walking down the street, and they uh, walk past a a storefront, a restaurant front, and they say, uh, bacon and eggs um, served here. And and the chicken said, hey, uh, let's go in and, and help. And the pig goes, no, because to help these guys with... Uh, bacon and eggs, to you, that's just a contribution. To me, that's a total commitment, right? Courageously connecting with Jesus is a total commitment. God isn't just the co-pilot of your life. In fact, your life, we are told in the Bible, is actually swallowed up in Jesus. That's what it means to courageously connect to Jesus, to, to say, I'm done with it. I'm done doing it on my own. I am lost. I am a sinner. I am destined for a godless eternity. I don't want to be there. I want to reconnect with my my Heavenly Father, my Creator, right now in this life, and I want to have heaven waiting for me after I die. That's what it means to connect with Jesus. But then what does it mean to courageously then connect to God's family? That term family is one of the greatest word pictures that the Bible paints of what we call the church. What's, what's the church? Well, it may surprise some of you to know that the church is actually not the building that we meet in, but the church is the people who meet in the building. You see, we're the church. This isn't the church that, we, that we're in. The church is made up of all the people who, who attend this church, but not just this church. The church is made up of all the people who, who attend all the other churches in, 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 uh, in this world right now, globally. In fact, the church is also made up of all the people throughout the world and throughout history who have connected to Jesus as Lord and Savior. We are now brought into a family, a family where we all belong. We have a heavenly father. We're all siblings, brothers, and sisters. We we have a new name. We have a new dwelling place. That's what it means to be a family, a a new family. But in addition to the, the term family, the Bible also calls the church the body 
of Christ. Now, while, while many people make an argument that by being connected to Jesus, we're connected to the church globally, and, and that's true. I mean, once you become a part of Jesus, you are part of his body. And that body is a global body, right? we're, We're part of it globally. We're part of it historically. But some people then say, well, because I'm connected to the global body of Christ, I really don't need to necessarily become a member of any kind of local body or any kind of local church. Now, I understand that because there have been abuses of leadership in churches throughout the years, and people say, I don't want to put myself under the authority of any man at all, and, and this is a personal relationship that I have with Jesus, and I, I'm part of Jesus' global uh, body, and, and I get that. However, I also look, though, at passages like 1 Corinthians, where Paul describes the function of a church and, and Everything that he says about the church, about how we're all members of the same body, and uh, the eye has one responsibility, the hand has another responsibility, the foot has a responsibility, and, and we cannot uh, operate outside of being a part of the body. You can't just cut a hand off and think that the hand is going to stay a hand and do what the hand does without it being connected to the body, right? So if you're looking at how Paul describes the church... When you see how that's played out practically, it can't just be about the universal body of Christ because that that doesn't work. If you're here in Powell Butte or Redmond or Prineville or Terrebonne or Bend or Sisters, if you're in one of our communities and you believe in Jesus but you have not yet connected to a, 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 a local congregation, if you're not a member of this congregation, well, then you're just kind of flopping out there saying, well, I'm part of the, the body of Christ as a whole, sure. But how has that played out practically in your life? If you're not connected in a practical way to a local body, if you're not a member of the body, then are you really being a member of Christ's body? But see, if you make it a point then to connect on a much more personal level, to a specific local group of believers who are also connecting and growing and serving and going, as the Bible teaches. That's where things really then are lived out in a practical way. I know many people who have resisted becoming members of a local church body because, again, they rightly see that the universal historic body of Christ is the church. They don't need to, they feel like they don't need to be a part of a local church in order to be a part of the bigger church. And that's fine. But when it comes to the practical living out of the one another's, for example, to love one another, to serve one another, to uh, regard one another as uh, more important than yourself, to comfort one another, to mourn with one another, to laugh with one another, to rejoice with one another. If you are going to do that in a practical way, to live out those one another's that are found in Scripture, or, for example, when it comes to being accountable to your spiritual growth, or when it comes to actually having to go through church discipline. Let me ask you this. Is it really going to be the church universal that gets brought into those situations? I would strongly suggest that the model of the early church that met in smaller groups, not not even in big church buildings, but in homes, 
with each group having elders and, and teachers who would care for and pastor and, and encourage uh, the, 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 the flock, each group having members who were committed to one another in good times as well as in times of struggle, that that is what Paul meant when he talked about being a member of the church. See, these were groups that rarely saw people leave the church. You know, when you were part of a smaller group, when you were a member of the church, you didn't see very many people leave the church because you didn't like the preaching, for example, or, or you didn't get along with somebody else that, that was part of the group. You, you stuck it out. You, you found a way to work things out because you were truly members of the body. You were members of the body. So if the hand and the foot weren't getting along, rather than just say, well, I'm going to go find another body to be a part of, no, they worked it out. They've, they've, they submitted to their authority, the spiritual authority that God had placed uh, them under in that particular group. They, they served one another. They served with one another. They gave. And they didn't just give to the universal church. Uh, somewhere out there, those causes that were out there in abstract land. No, they gave to their local body, the local group of believers, the local family. And if their offerings ever did go outside of that local body, it was a, a decision made by the, the church itself that, that had been prompted by the apostles' teaching because they, they knew that there was something out there that they could contribute to. But when they were doing this, it was not just in a sense of, well, we're part of the universal church. No, they said, we are a member of this church, a member of this church. I love the picture that we get in Acts then chapter 2 and chapter 4 about what the early church were all about. I mean, it's, it was exciting to be a part of this kind of church in, in the early church in the book of Acts. Uh, I, I want to look at two uh, two passages from Acts, Acts chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 42, and then we're going to look then at Acts chapter 4 as well. But check out what Acts 2, 42 through 47 says. And it's talking about the, the, the local church again, the local church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you'll just go over here to Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32, this is also what we read. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need." See, getting together with fellow believers was a no-brainer to the early church. It had been a no-brainer to Jesus. It had been a no-brainer to the apostles. They had gotten together often to learn and to pray and to worship and 
to change their world. Jesus didn't have to tell His disciples to meet together. It was something that they understood as being important. The reason it was important was because when Jesus was alive, He was always meeting with them, always meeting with others. They understood that once Jesus was then taken back to heaven, that meeting together was going to be a part of what they were, who they were, what they did. And so they did it. They got together. They encouraged one another. They helped one another. They exhorted one another. They shared with one another. They did things together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They ate together. They learned together. The, the problem today is that there are a lot of churches, believers out there, who do not have that kind of dedication to one another. David T. Olson wrote a book called The American Church in Crisis, and he cites current church attendance for all churches in the United States at about 17%. That's the kind of dedication that he found that American Christians have in coming to church on a regular basis. Since the pandemic pushed people away from churches, whether from churches limiting their capacity or from people just being afraid of getting sick or getting other people sick, we are now seeing a frightening phenomenon. Now that we have gone online, now that we have stayed away, this is what's going on. Churchgoers are forgetting how important it is to connect to their church, to the people of their church as necessary. That they don't see it as necessary anymore. The, the ways that we have facilitated people connecting with uh, our services online during the pandemic, that was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But arguably, it had a downside. Though giving uh, people the ability to watch the service and to sing along with the worship music and to hear the Word of God preached and all that, there was no real personal connection. No, no real connection with, with anybody unless you were part of one of those watch parties. There were a few of those out there that allowed you to have community with other people. And I know that the convenience of watching from home, man, think about it. I don't have to really get up and brush my teeth, brush my hair, get dressed. I don't need to get ready. I don't need to get out of the house. That, that is good for some of our folks, by the way. I, I don't want you to misunderstand that's good for some of our folks who have underlying health issues. You know, right now my, my mother-in-law is still in the hospital because she had some underlying health issues. And when COVID hit, it hit hard. And she now has pneumonia and, and she's fighting through all of that. So I understand that some people have to stay home because of their health. And it's wonderful that we have technology that they can watch and, and not feel like they, they are missing out. But... When you see that it's convenient to stay at home, not because of any kind of health reasons, but, man, it's just convenient of watching from home, that now becomes a temptation. Uh, not to just continue to do that, although that is one of the temptations as well. But for me, I know who I am. I know the, the, the kind of character that I've got. I know that it eventually would be a temptation to maybe not even watch on a particular Sunday or two Sundays or three, or finally all together. See, once we were given the green light to gather again, which happened back in December of 2020, by the way, we had people actually asking, well, you know, this is already so convenient just to stay at home. Do I really have to go to church? And if so, why? Why do I have to go to church? 
know, rem reminds me of uh, a story that I told you guys once about one Sunday morning when a mother went to go wake up her son to get ready to go to church. And uh, he said, I, I decided I'm not going today. She goes, what, what do you mean you're not going? He said, I'll give you two good reasons. He said, number one, they don't like me. And number two, I don't particularly like them. His mother replied, well, I'm going to give you two good reasons why you should go to church. Number one, you're 54 years old. And two, you're the pastor. That's funny, but it's also sad. Because people who normally, a long time ago, would never have thought of missing church, now they're being tempted to. Why courageously connect to the church in person? After all, we do have online streaming where you can watch live on any device. That, that Literally anywhere you can listen to these sermons. If, if you have a, an internet connection, you can go to our website and listen to the sermons. You can watch the service. Coming in person, what is that all about? Because if you're merely driving to Powell Butte to hear four or five songs, to take communion, to listen to a sermon, and then head home, couldn't you have found a much more convenient way to take care of all of that? I mean, you could have picked up grape juice and bread on your own. You got YouTube. You could watch the, the, the pastor. You got Spotify. You could listen to the music. Do you really need to be here in order to do your duty? I, I wonder why, why is the era of church connection dying out? I think maybe it's because we used to see church as a way of connecting to people and to God, but now we live in a culture that gives you so many ways to do that. You've got so many options, 24-7, to do Christian things. You listen to Christian music. Listen to Christian sermons. So do you really need to go to church anymore? Why courageously connect to God's family? Two reasons. Number one, we are the church. Remember, the church is not a building. It's people. And when people stop coming to church, the church ceases to exist. Here is where we connect with people the way that Jesus had envisioned and wanted and desired. In the early church, it wasn't just a Sunday, uh, Sunday thing either. Every day, they were, every day they were connecting with people. Our lives, though, today are so disconnected and fragmented, it seems impossible to do that on a daily basis. And so... If that's you, at least you have Sunday. And though as your pastor, I would love for you to find other times and places to connect with brothers and sisters in Christ to help you courageously grow in your spiritual life, which is, by the way, what we're going to be talking about next week. Until you get to that place, get your butt to church on a Sunday. Please be here. Unless you're not feeling well, be wise. Have some common sense. You know, you're not feeling good, stay home. But if you're feeling fine, get to church. Why? Because we are the church. And once people stop coming, the church will no longer exist here. Number two, we need to connect to God's family because we need each other. We need you. You need us. Every single one of you is a unique part of this body. Each and every one of you has a gift and a personality and a passion that we must have, we must connect with. By connecting to church courageously, you are creating a space here where everybody, regardless of their background, regardless of what they look like, regardless of their age, they can hear, they can experience the news of Christ's love for them. 
And so we don't need you to just come. We need you to connect. That's why the leadership changed that word several years ago. It used to be come, grow, serve. But you know what? I, we don't want you to just come. That's not courageous enough. We want you to connect. Because connecting has something to do with living a Christ-like existence towards other people, serving other people, sharing your faith with other people, connecting. See, that's, that's a way different thing than just coming and being a consumer, sitting there in, in the back row just listening and then getting out as soon as you can so you don't have to talk to anybody. You could have done that from your, from your back porch if you had a TV or a computer back there. See, the reason you, you go to church today is that you have moved, at some point of your life, you move from being a consumer to being a contributor. You, you don't go here to church to be served. You come here to serve in, in a spiritual way and in a scriptural way. We need you to connect to the mission of Powell Butte Christian Church. See, it's not just about you connecting and growing and serving and going. It's about you living out the mission where we are helping others connect and grow and serve and go. That's not just on the leadership, folks. That's on every believer who comes, who understands that we need them to connect with people. See, I think that that's why churches are dying out. People who who are going to church are never engaging in the mission of the church. Folks, that kind of church will never be able to fight against a culture that is progressively opposed to our faith. You, You can't fight against a culture when you have passionless, disengaged people. You cannot find a consumerist society with consumerist Christians. The church, in the next several decades is going to be the one, the, the one that survives is going to be the one who wants to serve, wants to share, wants to live differently. They're, they're, they're going to be the churches who want to make a difference in the lives of those still living in the miry pit. That kind of church will not be content to just watch church on TV or to come and sit without reaching out to anybody else. Somehow the church must regain the focus. (laughs) We have been taking penguins to the zoo and then to the movies for decades now. Nearly 2,000 years ago, there was a group of believers that was led by 12 guys who had been with Jesus, and that had changed their life. All of those guys had was the gospel message, and they turned their world upside down for Jesus. The early church in Acts not only survived but flourished In one day, that church grew from 120 people to 3,000 in one day. It continued to grow daily because of the gospel. It was attacked spiritually and physically. And still, this group of people took the message of salvation that God had offered through Jesus to the world. They performed miracles. They helped others. They made a difference. They didn't just come and sit. They connected. They connected courageously. It takes people making it a priority to give God the first part of their week It takes people willing to get here early, not just uh, floating in after the the song service is done just so that you can grab some communion and then uh, listen to a sermon. It takes people willing to come and actually intentionally prepare themselves, be here early, preparing themselves to hear from God, to feel His Spirit move, to to pray, God, speak to me today, change me today. It, it, It takes people willing to engage with the elements of the worship service, to sing even though they may not like singing. 
but to sing because th- that's a way of communicating to God that God loves. It's, it's taking prayers that people have written and offering them up to God. It's, it's people praying and not just letting their eyes wander while somebody's up there um, uh, talking and everybody else has got their eyes closed. It, it takes listening, truly listening. And sometimes uh, looking down and taking notes so that you're not distracted. And it means reaching out. Yes, see, it takes comfort to get out of your comfort zone, doesn't it? And, and go across the aisle and talk to somebody else. And not just somebody that you know for years and years and years or part of your life group. That's easy. It takes courage, though, to reach out to those you may not know, to let them know that they're welcome in our family, to know that they're important, to know that they have a name that they have a story, that they are living, breathing humans with value in the eyes of God. Let me ask you, do you ever convey that to anyone on Sunday? Or are you too worried that you might create an awkward situation if you go up to somebody and you ask if they're new and you find out that they've actually been coming for eight years? But so what? Is that person valuable enough for you to take time out of your morning to reach out and learn their name? Perhaps even invite them to join you for lunch afterwards? Folks, that's just one suggestion out of many, many ways to make somebody feel welcome. Bring them to your small group. Invite them to a Bible study. Um, I can go on and on. So can God's Spirit. So I would just pray that God would start to lead your heart into coming up with creative ways of connecting with people. Hebrews 10, 25. I know some of you have just been waiting for this one to come out in this message. Hebrews 10, 25. The author of Hebrews says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, it's not just about coming and meeting together. It's actually about encouraging one another, that connection. Because God does not want any lone ranger Christians. There is no going solo when you're talking about being a part of the church. That's not God's design. We need you. You need us. And not just to put warm bodies in the seats or the pews, but to truly live out the one another's that God has called us to live out as disciples in his upside-down kingdom. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's the message for today. I'm very grateful that you have uh, uh, paid attention, that you've tuned in. I want to thank all those people that make this possible, especially Lisa Welly, my executive producer, who has uh, made sure that we can get out onto all of those places that podcasts are available. Uh, I always am very thankful for uh, Steve Pittman, who has done so much work in getting our streaming services up and running here at the church. And uh, I just want to thank you for your time of uh, connecting in and listening to this. And and uh, I love it when you reach out and let us know that you've been listening. So if you, you ever wanted to do that, that will sure encourage me. All right, my name is Trey. I'm the uh, senior pastor here at Palo Butte Christian Church. I didn't, invi- I didn't uh, introduce myself before. Sorry about that. I've been on vacation, but I am back, and it is good to be back. So may God bless you, and may you uh, uh, shine for him this week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>